hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Welcome to the Green Top Outdoors podcast with your host, Hunter Brooks. All right, welcome to another edition of the Green Top Outdoors podcast. Uh, special guest today, Jackie Rosenberg from the Virginia DWR, and Billy Nikers joining us. Uh, if anybody that shoots bows and has been coming to Green Top for the last 25 to 30 years, they've seen Billy here. Welcome, Billy. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And Jackie, special guest, thank you for doing this, and, and welcome today. Absolutely. I'm excited about it. Yeah, so you're videoing in from um, the far west corner of uh, Virginia, right? That's correct. Dickinson County. Dickinson County. That's uh, about, what, eight hours from, from Richmond? Probably <laughs> close to it. <laughs> yeah, we could probably be to Georgia quicker than uh, Dickinson County. Um, I you're right. So uh, your role uh, with the DWR is you are the uh, elk project leader. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And uh, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself first, and um, and your role as the as the project leader. Sure. Yeah. So um, I've been in this position. Uh, this coming July will be two years. And so basically anything that has to do with research or management of the elk program, I'm in charge of. But I've got a, a great team behind me, both through you know my coworkers in the agency and also our, our partners here in the region. What uh, what's uh, what sort of background did uh, college background or what's your what's your elk background, I guess? What, what got you into it? Good question. Um, I've actually wanted to get into the wildlife field since I was about 14 years old. Um, and I started working on it at that age. Um, but in terms of college, you know, I went to Shippensburg University in Pennsylvania. It was uh, really close to where I grew up and uh, got a biology, ecology degree. Also studied GIS. And while I was there, I worked for the Pennsylvania Game Commission for a summer and did white-tailed deer research and some black bear trapping. Um, also interned with the Quality Deer Management Association. Um, yeah. I was actually really gung-ho about white-tailed deer at a young age. Also started hunting at the age of 14 as well, which I think lends itself really well to, you know, being in the wildlife field, I think would be really hard if you don't have that hunting background. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah. But anyway, I after I was done at SHIP, almost immediately I, I moved to uh, to Georgia and went to the University of Georgia for my master's degree, and I did a, a white-tailed deer research project there in the North Georgia mountains. And I actually focused on hunting for my thesis. So uh, I sent surveys to hunters um, that hunted in the Chattahoochee and um, we also captured deer. So we put GPS collars on deer and and looked at actually hunter movements relative to deer movements as well. Uh, And was also part of a a big fawn survival study. So um, my background was mostly in deer. After I finished in Georgia uh, in December, 2020, I I got, few months after that I got a technician position in Pennsylvania on an elk project through uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania and the Pennsylvania Game Commission so I spent about seven to eight weeks in that job um, it was real rough you know I had to actually like hike around and identify plants at these elk GPS points I mean it was awful I had to hike and <laughs> look at elk and stay um, outside all day <laughs> yeah no so but um when i was in the middle of working for them i got the job offer for, for this position so oh, that's I cool to southwest virginia and it's been awesome so the uh the elk program in pennsylvania um I'm, I'm sure their herd is probably larger than virginia's or is it similar to our program or it, it's larger i believe their most recent population estimate is around 1300 animals okay wow. and you know in virginia we've got uh you know our official population estimate is 250 plus basically we're confident we have at least 250 animals um, but virginia tech is actually doing a research project for us right now to to hopefully um, come up with a 
um, more updated population estimate in the next year or so. I got you. Okay. Um, so how, how, how long is our, the, how long has the elk program been running? So, um, in terms of the elk restoration, um, you know, elk were brought to Virginia over from Kentucky from 2012 to 2014. Um, but there was work that was put into the elk program prior to that, you know, um, a, a lot of work, you know, kind of on a, political you know advocacy standpoint just trying to get support for the elk program as well as you know getting habitat and areas and landowners on board prior to that um virginia has had elk really uh well if if we go way back you know elk are a native species of virginia so when europeans came here there would have been elk everywhere in fact they they thought or it's thought that there would have been more elk than white-tailed deer at that point um but basically by the by the late 1800s there weren't elk in Virginia anymore. Um, there were early restoration attempts, um, you know, throughout the 1900s, but um, essentially when Kentucky started their massive elk restoration project in 1997, um, that's when elk started coming over to Virginia, you know, just naturally. Um, and so we really had elk almost immediately when Kentucky started their elk restoration project, but we did not do an official restoration until 2012. Um, so from 2012 to 2014, we brought over, I say we, you know, I wasn't here at that point, but our agency brought over 75 elk from Kentucky and uh, put them in Buchanan County, Virginia. Okay. And um, I, I guess the, the idea of uh, last year was the first lottery year for Virginia, it was. which yes. was a lot of excitement with that. I, you know, I, I knew for sure. I knew for sure I was going to draw a tag, but I, but I didn't. Right, yeah, right, Billy. Yeah, one of those thirty-four thousand applicants. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, which you know, I, I think I think the program is great, and y'all are doing a great job of uh, marketing that, and um, you know, the the whole process very simple, very easy. Uh, I love what y'all are doing with it. Uh, what uh, I guess what brought on the the lottery i guess how was that decided was that a was that a board decision or uh, how, did, how did that come on um that decision was made prior to me starting the position actually um but basically just as an agency you know it was decided that you know there were plenty of animals and the population was robust enough that we could have a conservative bull harvest and so um uh, it was kind of exciting. It came on the 10-year anniversary of restoring elk to Virginia. Um, but I definitely like to let folks know that we're still encouraging population growth with, with our elk herd. Um, and so that's why we didn't have any opportunities for, for cows. Um, and it was, you know, we had six hunters out here uh, pursuing bulls. So, you know, essentially, as soon as our state reached a point in the elk population where we were comfortable allowing opportunity for hunters, we were going to take advantage of that because that was, you know, a major goal of the restoration in the first place to provide those opportunities for hunters. And uh, really, it's just a milestone of success for the elk program that we're able to allow hunting. Yeah. Um, so the the elk lottery last year, there were how many tags did, did you guys uh, give out? Like, was it five or six tags? Well, through our state lottery, we had five, okay. um, but then the sixth license came from a separate program called the Elk Conservation License Program, where we will award that to a conservation organization that can then raffle it. Um, and so essentially they have to spend that money on a conservation project in the elk management zone, which would be Buchanan, Dickinson, or Wise Counties. Um, and so we had five hunters through our state lottery, and then we had one hunter that, that won the raffle and it was the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation that was awarded the 
the license last year. Okay, okay. And were all all the hunters successful in their hunts last year? They were. Nice. We had six very successful, happy hunters. <laughs> good. Uh, good size. Uh, the bulls. They were good size. Uh, any any uh, anything stand out with any one of them in particular or? Yeah, I mean, I'll just say that you know all six bulls were all. I mean, they're all trophies to the individual hunters and um if i could measure success in smiles i think we got a hundred percent sure yeah. um <laughs> but we did have one bull that surpassed all the rest of them uh significantly which was, was pretty cool he made the boone and crockett record book um he was an eight by nine um and i don't have the exact you know fraction of inches memorized but he was uh gross 433 inches mm-hmm. and then yeah. net 413 inches and he ranked 85th overall for a non-typical american elk which wow. i think for our first hunt isn't too bad that's pretty good um, yeah and he also we, we were able to get live weights on all six elk and um he was significantly heavier than the rest of them he was 852 pounds wow <laughs> um and the rest of our elk were in you know upper six we had one upper 600 and then the rest of them were in the 700 range nice did y'all do a study as to the age of that particular bull like, is there a way you could tell the age of that that particular bowl that the 414 inch yeah um actually i just got the results back for uh for ages so um i pulled incisors from all the elk and sent them to Matson's lab and so that particular elk came back as six and a half hmm. which i was really impressed by because typically um you know we don't see the full maximum you know antler potential for elk until like the eight and a half to ten and a half range yeah so he was um potentially could have gotten even bigger which was crazy to think but <laughs> that's what they always say right he would have been bigger last next year right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so i guess we were you know we chatted a little bit uh, last week about um you know the program itself but you know what are some of the i guess uh statistics or herd analytics um on the virginia herd uh, you know, like the maybe the the male to female ratios, things like that. Uh, you have any numbers like that you can share with us? You know, Virginia Tech is doing that research project for us, so they've got preliminary numbers. Um, I'd, I'd hate to share those before they're sure. you know, ready and have their final um, final reports and all that. But just anecdotally, you know, we we, we have more cows than bulls, but we have a tremendous number of bulls. Um, and so, you know, this is, this is a very rough, rough, you know, estimate, but, you know, I would say maybe, you know, two cows for every bull. Okay. Um, what are, uh, what are some expectations with this program and with, um, you know, the development of the herd, you know, and and say in 10 years, do y'all, do y'all have some, um, some goals or some expectations on, on the population and, and the growth or? Really, you know, at this point, our, like I'd said earlier, our goal is just to continue growing the elk population. And really, um, you know, a lot of people ask, well, what, what the target number is. And we really don't have a target number per se, because really it's a moving target. So we rely on cooperation from private landowners because we like our agency does not own any property where we have elk in the elk management zone. Um, and so all of our you know our access for elk viewing for elk hunting even for me to do my job just for you know 
habitat work and collaring elk, just anything is, you know, dependent on the private landowners allowing us access and working with us. And so we, we've developed really awesome relationships with private landowners, which keeps leading to more, you know, as word travels that things are, you know, working out and it's a positive thing. Um, we continue to add private landowners. And so with that, like our uh, potential for elk keeps increasing, you know, the more lands we have to not only manage habitat wise, but just to have access to. So uh, I would say the number is a moving target, but we're always looking to add, you know, new partnerships with landowners and grow our, our elk population. We've got plenty of room for them to expand within that three county management zone. Okay. Yeah. That was my next question. Uh, the, the, the elk management area, you know, uh, how much, you know, how much land does that cover? How, how, how big of an area is that really? And so you're, that, that covers about three counties roughly or? Yes, sir. Yep. Buchanan, Dickinson, and Wise counties is our, our elk management zone. Those are the three counties that our state promotes elk in. Okay. Um, what did you, did you have a question? Yeah, I was, I was kind of curious about the fawn, I mean, not fawn, calf recruitment. I mean, you know, the Western states, you've got a lot more predators than we have here. You know, you got wolves, you got grizzlies, and so forth and so on. Around here, we don't really have much that preys upon calf elk, do we? I mean, so you can expect a higher recruitment. Is that accurate? Probably. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, there probably would be higher recruitment compared to the West because, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a lot more predators out West, um, but there are still predators here in the East. Um, you know, black bears and coyotes will still take calves just like they do whitetail fawns. Um, I've, I've never heard of a bobcat taking an elk calf, but if I heard that they did, it wouldn't, wouldn't you know, wouldn't shock yeah, me. Okay. Um, so I would say, you know, the same predators that go after whitetail fawns will go after elk calves. And essentially, you know, elk calves and whitetail fawns, when they're first born, they have the same strategy. It's let me lay here and not move and, um, just hide until I'm strong enough to keep up with, with mom. Um, so you know the the target that a whitetail fawn, even though an elk calf is bigger in size, it really doesn't matter because they're they're as helpless as a whitetail fawn. You know during those early, very early stages. Um, but yeah, I mean in terms of our exact recruitment rate, I mean, we've never um, collared calves or you know done that sort of study to know the exact numbers. Um, but you know we again just kind of anecdotally we see a pretty a pretty good number of calves every year. Um, now, another thing that Virginia Tech will get, and hopefully, you know, maybe in the next year when we get research results, we can come back on the podcast and talk about them. But um, they are also, you know, they're, they're doing winter surveys for us. So they have, you know, like a cow, bull, calf count. So at the very least, we'll have the number of calves that we have, you know, in the winter. So like that final recruitment rate, even after the, the hunting season when they are got things wrapped up. Yeah, because I guess it'd be safe to say we don't have much in the way of a winter kill here in virginia yeah you know we don't get harsh enough weather i wouldn't think yeah i mean not not due to not due to weather um definitely not like out west you know compared to out west you know our elk aren't they don't have to migrate to different areas really to to just have resources to survive i mean we do see seasonal movements in elk but it's it's nowhere near the scale that you would see out west so i would say comparatively yeah life would be a lot easier here in the east in the winter especially where we're at so you would so i guess some of the tendencies to these virginia elk or kentucky elk they're i mean they're a little little different than what you'd find in uh new mexico or just just uh, i guess what their their particular instincts or tendencies that they do out west a little bit different here in this state 
Actually, it's more just a product of the environment that they're in um, because, you know, we got our elk from Kentucky, but Kentucky got their elk from six different western states. Yeah. Um, and so, really, they're the same, uh, you know, stock of yep. elk. And it's interesting, you know, you can take an elk from out west that, you know, they do these migrations and you can put them in the east and they no longer do that and so it's it's really more of a product of the environment they're in they really don't have to do it here yeah so uh is is the the weather the climate where you're at and it's like you know you're because you're 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 really you're so far away from from central virginia uh climate a big difference in what it is here in central virginia or is it kind of the same or you get i'm sure you get some colder temperatures but uh than, 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 than what we get here, but pretty, pretty similar. I, I would bet it's probably pretty similar. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much snow you guys would get compared to us. I mean, we're, because we're in the Appalachian plateau, perhaps yeah. we'd get a little bit more snow, but you know, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure to be honest. I haven't lived anywhere in Virginia besides here. So, um, but I, I would expect it'd probably be pretty similar. Sure. Um, what was I going to ask? Uh, it was about, um, I guess, the season itself. So, when the you know the 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 twenty twenty three lottery's been done, uh, you've got uh, you've drawn tags for that. You've got some winners for that now already, or? Well, our announcement will be in the coming month. So we've we by the end of May. We'll announce those five winners through the state lottery, and then at the same time, we'll announce the organization that won the um, that won the sixth license. And so okay. at that point, there'll still be kind of a, a last chance through the, through that raffle um, throughout the summer for someone to to win. But but yeah, that'll be coming up in the next month. Yeah, it's 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 exciting times. Billy, did you did you uh, apply? Of course. Okay. Of course, yeah. Well, Billy, Billy just I've got, wasted more on less. I can right, promise you right. that. So you, you just got good news, though, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I got my New Mexico. Elk you, tag you got you, season, you drew so. a New Mexico yeah. tag, so you and Todd are going back to New Mexico mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, so I go harass the elk in New Mexico uh, for a couple weeks in September, then come back here and hopefully harass one in October hey. in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> so. What? Um, so the season once once the once the the tags are drawn, um, when when is the season again, Jackie? Um, so this coming year will be October 14th through the 20th. So, so our hunt is a week and it is the, in regulation, it's specified as the second Saturday in October through that following Friday. Okay. And, 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 the the winners, the, the tags, the winners of the tags, when they go on the hunt, do they, are they going with anybody in particular, a guide or a landowner or anything, or are they just kind of out on their own? That's a good question. Um, so our hunters this past year were definitely not out on their own. Now, if they really wanted to be, they, they could have been. Um, but we have so many volunteers and landowners in this area that are just so passionate about the elk program and wanted to see the hunt successful and um, that they made interactions with the hunters. And so we had a couple sets of landowners hunt with the hunters. Um, and even the ones that didn't, you know, they kind of connected with the landowners ahead of time and just tried to, and even our agency, you know, we tried to facilitate property tours, I guess, if you will, and kind of those initial interactions um, to try to get hunters just kind of acquainted to the area. So we wanted to make sure they were squared away on, you know, where to go, where they could go and where they couldn't, um, but also to have those local connections. So, you know, we 
because these landowners are so invested in the program, um, that's why our elk hunt was so successful. Um, that's great. You know, our, our hunt was over in, in two days, but, you know, a lot of people wondered, well, how can you take, you know, six hunters? Only one of them had elk hunting experience. You know, how can they be so so successful in that amount of time? Well, really, it was because the uh, the amount of time and investment that all those guys put in, you know, as a collective group. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um how uh, everybody take their elk with with rifles, or is it or is it any bow hunters, or do you have to take them with a rifle, or any 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 restrictions or regulations on that? All of our hunters killed their elk with rifles, okay. but um, they could have brought a bow. So basically, any weapon that is legal for deer hunting, with the exception of air rifles and sling bows, um, <laughs> you can take you can take an elk. Okay. So, <laughs> um, perhaps this year we'll have somebody that might want to try it with a bow. Yeah, that'd be cool. I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I, there's there's definitely excitement about this. I mean, any anytime anytime you talk about elk in Virginia, you know, people get almost giddy about it. You know, because it's uh, it, it's got to be. And you having the job that you have, Jackie, you're extremely lucky. By the way, I'm 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 kind of jealous that you get to do what you do out out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will probably be the same, but you know, there's there's just there's a huge level of excitement about this that you know for you know for, and for years to come to be a part of this, I think it's pretty special. Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, I always like to point out that you know I I came into this job at a time when you know all the the blood, sweat, and tears you know from all these guys that were in it since day one, you know that was put in. And all that work to build it up to this point. And then, I, you know, I, I I came in here and I was really able to reap the benefits of all that work of, of people before me. Um, so, but it's awesome. I still have, you know, a lot of those guys are still around, whether they're in our agency or they're our local partners. And so I love working hand in hand with them. And uh, hopefully we'll do a good job carrying the elk program forward. Oh, I think so far so good, Jackie. I mean, that's it's 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 a great program. Uh, I think you guys are you guys are killing it for for the for the state of Virginia right now. I, I think you're doing a wonderful job, uh, Billy. Anything else Thank that you, you want to ask? Just kind of curious as to what's next. I mean, is it procuring more lands to expand, or I mean, what's really kind of the next level? Yeah, I mean, lands are are at the foremost of our thoughts and goals. Um, you know, any opportunities that we would have at any sort of land acquisition, obviously we would be really interested in um, where, you know, in those areas that we have elk. But, you know, right now, just we actually have a, a major grant that we are um, carrying out. Uh, our region got a grant from the NRCS through the Farm Bill a couple of years ago. Um, and that program is called VPA HIP. Uh, it's a long acronym, but it stands for uh, Voluntary Public Access Habitat Incentive Program. So we got almost $3 million through this grant to uh, work with private landowners in Southwest Virginia. And it actually ex- extends beyond the elk management zone, but we you know, use it pretty heavily in the elk management zone. And basically we are able to uh, pay landowners for allowing access for folks, as well as to do habitat work and infrastructure work related to access. But I will highlight that, you know, particularly in Buchanan County, we already had a ton of landowners that were on board with this elk program prior to that program. So um, we've been able to add, you know, a few more um, thanks to that program. But but the investment in the elk program was way before we had that grant opportunity. Gotcha. And um, 
a question about yourself. So you, you mentioned you can't you, you grew up hunting. Um, you get uh, in your busy schedule. I know you're busy. Uh, you get you get a chance to hunt and fish out where you're at. You make time for that. Um, yeah, I do love to hunt and fish. Um, so being from Pennsylvania, um, Pennsylvania deer season is kind of a religious thing. Yeah. So <laughs> I always make time to go back home for uh, Pennsylvania rifle season in uh, November, December. Um, and I actually still do quite a bit of hunting uh, down in Georgia as well. Okay. Now, I will say, unfortunately, uh, I, and this is just a fault of my own or not making time, but I haven't established an area in virginia yet where where i where i hunt but um i really need to get on that but but yeah i still hunt in georgia and pennsylvania and uh and and fishing too yeah i love to i love to trout fish uh that's what i grew up doing in pennsylvania um but i also like you know fish for brim bass um last question was uh i think uh somebody asked about the possibility of uh you know because primarily you're on the you're you're along the appalachian mountains where you know we're closer to the blue ridge uh is there is it is it unforeseen or is a possibility that in the near future we'll see elk in the blue ridge mountains so right now um we're operating under um our elk management plan that goes started in 2019 and goes to 2028 and so basically the, the purpose of that management plan is to set forth goals and objectives for elk management in the state. And uh, the process that went into making that plan uh, was prior to when I got here, but uh, it's very much a public engagement process. So we had a stakeholder advisory committee that was made up of 17 members and they represented various interests in Virginia, you know, landowners, local government, ag, you know, you name it. Um, and so, Ultimately, they got to, you know, sit on this committee for a year or two and learn about elk and kind of bring their opinions and everything to the to the table. And um, they got to vote on a, a set, you know, on a list of goals and objectives for elk. And in addition to that, we also surveyed the public. Um, so we, we work with Virginia Tech to survey the public. And, um, and then we had a, a, a public comment period on those goals and objectives. So there was a lot of work done to get public input. But... Um, Essentially, what, what came out of that process is that um, the elk management zone would remain Buchanan, Dickinson, and Wise counties, um, and so elk wouldn't be promoted outside of those counties. And so those counties are in the Appalachian Plateau of Virginia, and as soon as you go south or east of there, you're in Ridge and Valley, which is, uh, you know, cattle-producing counties, and so their economies are really... Um, centered around cattle and ag, mm-hmm. uh, whereas in the elk management zone here, being in the Appalachian Plateau, historically the economies are centered on coal mining, um, which we could talk about in a minute why that's important for elk. But be, because of that and the strong you know, agricultural interest, it was decided not to promote elk, you know, in those counties sure. because of potential conflicts. But but I will say, you know, kind of outside of the the ag community, you know, there were still a, a good number of folks that were in support of of elk outside the those three counties. So I would imagine when the process comes up to create the new elk management plan uh, closer to that year 2028, and it would be a year or two before that, that that topic would get brought up again. Um, but I always like to point out uh, as, a, as a wildlife biologist, you know, we are really managing populations for the public. 
So, you know, those types of decisions really don't lie with us. It's really up to the public, you know, where they want to have a population of elk or any species. Um, And so I don't want to get on my soapbox too much, but, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, well, it's a shame we can't follow the science. Well, I mean, social science is just as important as biological science. So, you know, and wildlife management is all about bridging the two. So well said. Yeah, Yeah. very, very Very well said. Well, um, Jackie, thank you for, for doing this. You know, uh, thank you. I mean, I know you're busy. Uh, thanks for taking some time out of your day to do this with us um, today. Uh, we've had, you know, a lot of interest in this, in, in this part of the state. Uh, being, a, being an outdoor store like this, you know, we get tons of people that come through here that are excited about the program, uh, that are familiar with DWR. And we like to just just bring up and do topics like this that uh, that's very informative to them because they always have a lot of questions about it. And you know we like to we like to answer try to answer everything we can here at the at Green Top. But uh, you know uh, we, we're not we're not all elk elk experts, especially Virginia elk experts. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you don't mind, I'll, I'll kind of add in there um, just kind of the, the mining that i referenced earlier yeah yeah definitely Um, i I think it's important for folks to know because if you're not from here you would have no idea that all of our elk habitat is centered on reclaimed mine lands um and actually without coal mining we probably would not have elk in virginia and that is also the case for kentucky um because elk you know as you guys know they need both open you know vast open areas as well as you know wooded forested areas and so if Buchanan County would be all forested and crazy steep topography if not for, you know, coal mining, especially on these mountaintop removal sites, um, actually, you know, flattening out the top of a mountain and creating the potential for us to have early successional habitats, grasslands. Um, and so a lot of folks, when we bring them up to view elk and on our elk conservation area, they seriously don't believe us when we say this was a former mountaintop removal site uh, for coal mining, hmm. but it's it's the truth. So. Um, I just thought I'd throw that in there. I think folks would find that interesting. And then uh, also, I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, so a lot of credit goes to a couple key organizations. So the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation has been with us since the very beginning. And without them, their financial support, their logistical support, even their advocacy, uh, we would not have elk in Virginia. And they, they've just been an amazing partner for us. Um and then the Nature Conservancy, they actually own a, uh, a ton, or they own or manage a ton of property um, here in Southwest Virginia. So they uh, they work with us on access for elk-related recreation and really help us with land protection. And so they've been awesome to work with. Um, also, Southwest Virginia Sportsmen, um, you know, those guys, they're kind of a local organization in Buchanan County, but they are just like our right hand when it comes to the elk program. And the way that the amount of investment they put into the program, it's like they, they're paid employees for the elk <laughs> program. It's, it's crazy. That's awesome. Um, but I don't know what we would, we would do without them. And then two more uh, local entities, uh, Breaks Interstate Park, if uh, if for all listeners out there, if you have not visited Brakesner State Park, I highly encourage it. It is a beautiful park. It is on the Kentucky-Virginia line. It's called the Grand Canyon of the South. Um, but they do elk tours, and they uh, do a lot to promote the elk program in this area and are just an awesome partner. Um, and then Southern Gap Outdoor Adventures. They also work with you know elk tours. They host elk fests. We had our elk check station there. So that's just an awesome, another awesome place to, to check out. And then... Um, and then lastly, just credit to our landowners again. Um, I think f- folks need to hear that. I mean, 
without the investment of the local community in Buchanan County, I mean, we just wouldn't, we wouldn't have an elk program. And my favorite part of my job is getting to work with all these folks. Like, it's just a huge team effort. And if I was out there on my own, this elk program would definitely not be successful. So, um, that's so yeah. well done. I mean, that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you gave a shout out to all those, uh, people and organizations and, land, and like you said landowners they're 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 important you know they're uh they're pretty vital in in this in this program uh, i don't think yeah i think you're right it's gonna be tough to to do anything without them for sure absolutely well uh jackie thanks again for doing this podcast with us uh maybe we'll check back in this fall after the after the hunts and um and and see if uh you know you're at a point where you want to discuss how the how the hunts went and how the harvest went um and this that'd be after our uh, big expo that we have here every year but uh what you got to get you got to get out of here eventually and check that out it's uh you know maybe maybe next year we'll have you out here for the for the expo you can talk to thirty thousand people about um about the elk program so well, that sounds good just let me know when it is will do <laughs> All right, well, Jackie, uh, thanks again. I really appreciate you doing this for us. Um, you're doing, y'all are doing a wonderful job with the elk program. Uh, keep it up. Uh, keep up the good work. This is, uh, it's, this is good stuff. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Green Top Outdoors podcast. Hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Like and subscribe to the Green Top Outdoors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And learn more about Green Top at greentophuntfish.com.